Welcome, everyone, to the Synthetic Logic Podcast. On this episode, Nikos, what are we doing on this episode? Um, I think it has something to do with the 80s. Ooh, I love the 80s. Yes. And on this yes, episode, yes. we are talking about our favorite 80s movies, our top five favorite movies, because... Yep. Oh my God, when we were trying to figure this out just individually on what our top five was, it was quite an adventure. So yeah, this is the best 80s movies of all time, as Nikos you know, pointed out earlier before we started recording this. But this is our top five at this moment, yeah. on this day, our mm-hmm. top five favorite movies of the 1980s. So yes. it's time to get synthetic, people. Let's do this. Tremendous Tuesday. The date is April 6, 2021. Just yep, one yep. magnificent day from my birthday. And mm-hmm. I am super excited to be here, Nikos, to talk to you about your top five favorite 80s movies as well as my Absolutely. top five. But uh, what's new with you, man, since we recorded last episode? What's new and exciting? Uh, not much. Just a lot of work, a lot of work, and a lot of uh, thinking about how I could possibly narrow down to like five 80s movies that like, you know, that I really like. And it was really, really hard. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, a lot of, a lot of different factors went in uh, to my decisions. So it's going to be uh, interesting <laughs> to see what I, what I have cooked up. Yeah, man. I thought about it yesterday and I'm like, you know, you've seen a lot of movies. I've seen a lot of movies. I watched yeah, a lot of movies man. with my dad. I worked at a video store, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just by default, like you absorb and you watch so much and I'm like trying to f- like filter myself on how I pick my top five. So what I ended up doing was just going by movies I actually physically own. Otherwise we would just jump into this black hole and I'd never yeah. be able to come up with five. It'd be like our top fifties, which <laughs> when we do our live panel show, you know, whatever big convention, we'll do our top 50 then. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, we'll disagree at the end and we'll fight each other to the death and it'll be the best like live podcast at a convention <laughs> ever. Uh, but pretty incredible. Um, yeah. I'm pretty happy with my list. Hopefully you guys will be too. Uh, if you haven't seen the films, maybe you'll go check it out. So yeah. excited to talk about that. But before mm-hmm. we get into that, uh, we need to talk about a little magic. And I'm not talking about David yeah. Copperfield here. I am talking about the brand new release from Nakatomi Freefall. It is magic. The name is magic and it is available on all great digital music distribution areas like Spotify, Apple Music. I think it's even up on Amazon and all that. But I know Spotify and iTunes 
for sure. So what's magic about magic other than everything? Uh, it was really, really cool that uh, Corey actually approached, you know, as you guys know, we had Nakatomi Freefall on the podcast a couple episodes ago. And Corey actually asked me if uh, I wanted to collaborate on this song. And I decided, yeah, uh, absolutely. So I said, you know, uh, what are we doing? And my background, right? Um, I'm very like music and instrumental first. Yeah. Singing and vocals for me is kind of uh, like I, I, as far as how great I am at it, if I can even say great, I'm using heavy quotations here on video. Right. <laughs> um, I always don't think very fondly of my singing. So it was kind of uh, a really nice surprise for him to be like, you know, yeah, can you contribute some vocals to this? So uh, a little background on it. You know, I just asked, you know, do you want me to write the lyrics for this? Or, you know, do you have lyrics written out for this? And he said, just, you know, sing whatever you want to sing about as long as it has a magical feeling to it. I'm like, okay, well, uh, you know, some people that's like love at first sight or, uh, you know, a prom, which is actually kind of the main theme of this song is like, it's about prom night and, uh, you know, mono no aware, basically something that the midnight uses all the time that, you know, thinking back to those moments, uh, for me, it ended up actually being, you know, what's magic to me. And that is the warmth of seasons, like the summer, uh, when everything that is so freaking gray and dead in Illinois finally starts springing back to life and you start seeing people again, uh, especially after the pandemic and not even seeing people out during the summer this year. Um, you know, that's kind of happening now. You're seeing more and more people come back. So that's magic to me. And that's kind of what I sang about. But uh, there are several other synthwave artists involved with this as well, which is really awesome. Nikos, what did you uh, think of this one? <clears throat> it's awesome. I love getting these songs like before everyone else. I don't know if, <laughs> uh, you, if you're, I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, you're allowed but, to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I get to hear like as it's being made. So for me, it's like a different feeling. The song's awesome. And I think your vocals are very good, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. So um, yeah, man, like it's cool getting to see it like be built. And then I get to hear the final product. I'm like, that is a fucking tune. So <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, man. that. Well, uh, we wanted to share the magic with everyone else before we get into our top five. So here it is, straight from Nakatomi Freefall with special guest appearance by Unleaded Logic. This is magic. You are running out of time.
Magic, the SynthFam yes. remix by Nakatomi Freefall. Great song. Once again, available on Apple Music, iTunes, which I guess is kind of the same thing, and <laughs> good old Spotify. So be yeah. sure to check that out. Support Nakatomi Freefall. And again, special shout out to Corey for uh, getting the invite out there to me to uh, collaborate on that. It's been a while since I've collaborated. It was great experience. Uh, thanks again. Super appreciate it. Folks, go check that song out. Yeah, the song kicks ass, so please go check it out. Thank you, thank you. Well, now 
It's we'll be on time. the list. It's time. It's top five time. 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 time, time. <laughs> so yes, folks, we are talking about our top five favorite movies from the eighties. These are not again the best movies ever. Yes. This is a magic point in a magic yeah. place in time where we have defined that on this day, April 6th, 2021, that these are our top five. But yep. much like in the professional wrestling world, there is an <laughs> asterisk and card is subject to change. Yes, I say that absolutely. a lot to people at work and they always look at me really weird. Card is subject to change. Yeah. As well as... Uh, con- Just because you paid money doesn't mean I can't switch it up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> context is king is another one yeah. because people oh, yeah. do not provide context. Anyway, I'm, I'm starting yeah. to go on a rant. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk our top five. And he goes, I think instead of like... You know, like you go through your list and I go through my list. Do you like want to do like you'll do your top five? I'll do or I'll do my number five. You do your number five, whatever. Why don't we start with you? Because I've been blabbing this episode so far. So number five, Uh, sir. So number five for me uh, is a um, a classic sci-fi movie. And one of the reasons that it's on my list um, is because one of my good friends, but the movie is uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial. I'm holding it up on camera, but no one can see it. But uh, it's a classic 80s sci-fi. Um, I tried not to limit my like choices to like one specific genre mm-hmm. or one specific like time period. Like, cause eight, like late 80s movies is compared to like early 80s movies are a little bit differently. Like the cinematography advanced pretty quickly in like six years, seven years. Absolutely. Like they look different. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of based off my top five off of like movies that like I will quote like in my everyday life or I have quoted before and hold like a special place in my heart. And this one's definitely, definitely up there. Uh, Obviously, if you haven't seen E.T., please go see it. It, it really is like a masterpiece movie um, directed by Steven Spielberg. It's it's just a good movie. It's early Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. uh, as Gertie, uh, and it's just a it's just a great movie. Like I, I've seen this movie I don't know dozens of times, and I probably cry every single time. See and that? I know <laughs> what's going to happen. Like I know, like I've seen the movie 150 times, so like. It's just really good, and it has so many quotable parts. Um, one of the reasons is because of one of my, my my best friends, Stefan. He used to, I don't know, he's just a weird kid, I guess. But he would he would sit like we'd be sitting around in my room playing video games, and I would look over at him, and he's literally like playing with like the skittles and doing the ouch, <laughs> and like he had these really long like hands that made him look kind of like ET's hands when he was like picking up the skittles and like eating them like, <laughs> ah, like how he does with the Reese's pieces in the movie like and it's just i don't know it's just a movie that'll always this movie will probably always be in my top 5 but you know i don't know if it'll ever rise it'll rise higher than that so for those people so for those youngins that are listening to the podcast and maybe have never checked it out and they're thinking that ET is a phone provider what is ET in a nutshell cuz I'm going to tell you, man, like when I worked at the video store and like to be like, recommend me a classic that I've probably seen a thousand times like E.T. And to be like the phone company. No, not AT&T, E.T., yeah. <laughs> the extraterrestrial. <laughs> yeah. 
<clears throat> so what, what was your question? Sorry. So uh, so what is E.T. about, basically, for those who have somehow um, never seen this wonderful movie? And, and here's another one, actually. I have people confuse this with Close Encounters of the Third Kind and get really? very confused. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I've had people rent Close Encounters. Now, granted, I'm talking like 25 years ago. People have maybe I, advanced then, but I know people that interchange the two, and it's like totally different thing. Yeah, yeah, those movies really, like, I mean, they're... they're Kind of similar, but they're not yeah. ET. Like one's <laughs> one's ET and one is not right ET. Um, oh. So I guess to sum it up, it's just like a it's a journey of a lost alien just trying to get home, and with the help of you know his best friends who happen to be a ten year old boy, they they get him home, and it's it's just a good feel good story, man. Like there's so many good scenes that like. I don't know, man. Like every time when they find E.T. in the river and he's all white and he's dying and how E.T. feels what Elliot feels and Elliot feels what E.T. feels, dude, like smooch, just so good. Like you have to watch it. Like I don't know how else to explain it. Like it's just it's a great movie. So, so speaking of E.T., you know, when E.T. came out and throughout the years, like E.T. is like you said, it's a feel good movie. But Mm -hmm. here's a little pop quiz for you, Nikos. What part or what portion of E.T., not the movie, but the E.T. brand had a negative effect on something? A massively negative effect. Um, The video game? Yep. What's the story on that? Do you know? Uh, I know a little bit. You're the master game expert, though, so you should probably explain it. (laughs) So, yeah, the the E.T. video game, right? They basically, uh, Steven Spielberg like wanted to have Atari make this game because holy crap, E.T., like when it was shown to like the the world before like press and stuff like that, like everyone knew that E.T. was going to be a goddamn hit, right? Oh, yeah, it's so, so much money. Steven Spielberg goes to Atari and he's like, hey, um, I need you guys to make an ET video game and Atari was basically like, we can make an ET video. I'm like totally paraphrasing this because otherwise I can, I can go into a whole like our podcast just on the subject. (laughs) Uh, But, but basically, you know, the licensing deal happened and I think the, the gentleman that was actually given the, uh, the task of creating ET, uh, that was Howard Scott Warshaw actually. And he, uh, was given like so, like maybe only like a month or two to make this game work and put this game together, right? So he yeah. made the game, um, and you know, in the small time frame that he had to put it out, it wasn't great. There's a lot of worse games that are so much worse than this, and a lot of people say that this is what crashed the home console market and this was a part of the crash which is not true there was actually all sorts of other things that happened this certainly didn't help and they made so many copies they made more copies than the actual atari console that was sold and that's why they got buried in a landfill um (laughs) but it's notoriously known as the worst part of the story i knew yep yep they got buried in a landfill and they they unburied them they found them yeah right and now those are worth uh, a ton of money um, so yeah, ET is known as the, the worst video game ever, even though that's not necessarily true. There's a lot more <laughs> worse crap out there. Um, Howard only worked with what he could at the time. And another, uh, funny bit of trivia, Nikos, hmm. I actually write with Howard Warshaw now because he's also with old school gamer magazine. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. 
<laughs> a small world. So kind of funny uh, deal with that. So um, I'm hoping when we go to the Austin game convention in uh, June that he's going to be down there with the Old School Gamer magazine booth so I can pester him uh, yeah. about some questions. He's got a great book out, but uh, yeah, kind of funny little story about that. Yeah. So like just to give people an idea of how big this movie was have it right here it said it was i think it was 1983 it passed star wars as the highest grossing film of all time of all time up to that up to that point so i mean we all know how huge freaking star wars was yep. back in you know uh late 70s early 80s so i mean it's a, it's a great movie like i said i, I I gave you guys a you know a preview on the the little small episode we just did. They're all blockbusters. I promise you, these are all <laughs> like big mainstream movies that everybody should probably see or have seen. And everyone I knew owned this on VHS. Yeah, or they absolutely, or it was always rented out. Just yeah, yeah. tape worn to shit. Yeah, you know, ET couldn't phone home because that part of the tape like was too worn out. <laughs> <laughs> pretty yep. amazing pretty amazing mm. all right well switching over tagging in my number five is 1987's the lost boys uh this is a incredible movie with a incredible cast you got jason patrick uh cory Haim. you got Ke- uh, Kiefer sutherland in this mm-hmm. um just so many amazing people uh diane i think it's west or weast is in it as well diane weast yeah um why okay so why is this alex movie- winter from uh bill yep. and ted absolutely oh yeah how could i forget him he yeah big big part in that as well Mm -hmm. so so what's the lost boys about like um i remember jokes about this movies when it first came out that it was kind of like a gay porn or something like that and it's (laughs) i guess you could kind of get that from the poster no you can't get that from the poster that's just totally weird and even if you're in a gay porn that's totally okay yeah but the lost boys is not gay porn yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so what is what it's about is a mother and her two sons if i remember correctly moved to san bernardino california Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't want to move, but her mom, their mom lost the job, and it was a great opportunity, and they got the house at a deal. I think they actually move in with their grandfather. Uh, she moves in with her dad, if I remember correctly. They don't buy a house, mm-hmm. but they move in. Um, and, and right away, you know, there's uh, the older brother, Michael. Um, he's kind of, you know, the rebel, leather jacket, white T-shirt, has a motorcycle, right? Uh, the cool dude that, you know, oh, yeah. he, he's got this cool. mystique about him and he's just checking out this town for what it is. He doesn't want to be Classic 1987. Classic 1987. And then I forget what Corey Haim's character name was. Well, I, it, it could have been Corey. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, Sam Emerson. Sam. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Sam. So Sam is the younger kid. Um, you know, he's, he's into like horror comic books and stuff like that. And he's pretty bummed that he's had to move to this town and what ends up happening well it turns out that san bernardino is like the murder capital of the world and that is because it is infested with vampires and this is where Kiefer sutherland and the rest of these 
teenage mm-hmm. people come in because they're all vampires. Basically, Michael runs into them and starts hanging out with them. And eventually he gets turned and it's kind of a fight for his soul because yeah. he's trying not to like totally rip his little brother's neck off and defend his family and, you know, uh, defend his entire family from this whole vampire coven. Um, and there's a lot of twists and turns. There's a really hot chick in it, uh, who I had a crush on a major crush on when I was a kid and it just screams classic eighties and it has a phenomenal, phenomenal soundtrack. Um, highly recommend you check that out. Lots of great covers on there, but that was one of those soundtracks that I just listened to over and over and over again. Um, and it's got a great twist to it. You know, the, the vampire gets defeated and supposedly only the vampire Lord can turn those who have been turned back to normal. And when they kill him, well, does everything go back to normal? That's where you got to watch the film to find out, folks. <laughs> but it is definitely worth checking out. Um, I have it on Blu-ray. Uh, looks just as phenomenal as it did when I first watched it. Uh, but God, what a classic. Great movie. It had some sequels. Sadly, they were uh, direct-to-video. Not yeah, that's so what I was good. Talk about like the sequels are just like, whew. yeah, they're they're, they're, they're they're direct to the video. Yes, like, very very direct. Five ninety nine at the <laughs> grocery store. Yeah, the bin. try to bring the Frog Brothers back. Uh, yeah. Just mm, it just doesn't doesn't really work. <laughs> but they tried. But they tried. They, they did try. But uh, overall, great movie. So that's my number five, The Lost Boys, nineteen eighty seven. Heck yeah, man. That's a, it's a great, great, great movie. I've only seen this movie one time. I think that uh, you should definitely watch it because I think it's either on Amazon Prime or it's on Netflix for free. And now that uh, like you and I are really into Synthwave, mm-hmm. you would like appreciate the soundtrack like that much more. Awesome. Yeah, you got to watch it again. Heck yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yep. All right, so on to my number four. We'll transition over here. Um, this is another 80s classic. Uh, I don't know if it's considered a blockbuster, but it's a well-known culturally. And, you know, like, the, I feel like these two guys right here, the Blues Brothers, are ingrained into pretty much everybody's minds, at least sometime in their lifetime. Like They're on a mission from God. They're on a mission from God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the 1980s, uh, 19, oh, sorry, it was made in 1980, and it stars Dan Aykroyd as Elwood and John Belushi as Juliet Jake. Uh, and this movie, it tells a story, I don't want to say of redemption, because I get, they end up going to jail, but uh, they're doing it for the right reason. They're on a mission from God, like Mike said. Um, I've, I've been to that jail. Juliet, yeah, Juliet, Jake. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep, pretty amazing. Uh, and it's just great. And it just the movie features so many musical numbers, like from like outside, you know, musicians. Like, I mean, I, the list is insane. It's like uh, James Brown, Cab Calloway, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Shaka Khan, John Lee Hooker. Like, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And like all the supporting characters, Carrie Fisher's in it. Like randomly, uh, John Candy's in there. Uh, it's a it's a stacked movie, uh, talent wise. And uh, if you're into like musical comedies, I would have to say for me, it's my favorite like musical musical comedy if you want to call it that uh, of all time. 
And this movie has just had such a profound impact on me. Like I, uh, they're from obviously from Illinois, me and Mike from Illinois. Yep. Uh, they spend a lot of the time at the end of the movie traversing through Lake and McHenry County, which is where we're from. That's yep. where they're giving out the flyers. And uh, if you're from Illinois, it's pretty much this movie's iconic because it's set in Chicago, which to me is the best city in the world. Um, it's so good, man. I, you so know good. what? It's been such a long time since I've seen this. I think the last time I saw it, it was on WGN. And I'm talking like standard definition WGN. It's been a long, long time. It might be time to pick that up and watch it. Am I on crack or did they do a sequel to this? Yeah. Uh, Blues Brothers 2000. Okay. And well, it's not as – obviously, John Belushi's not in it. So Yeah. Because he passes away. But uh, yeah, it's not – It's it has some good music in it. I do like the music in the movie, but like the overall like plot point and everything is just like it's not not as good as this one, obviously. Did you know there was a Blues Brother Nintendo and Super Nintendo game? I did not. Yeah. Yeah. They're also on a mission from God in that game. Um are they on a mission from God to ruin video games like E. T. or is it actually good? <laughs> So it, it literally got two screenshots in Nintendo Power, which isn't a good sign. Um, and I oh. think Ocean Software created it, which they're known as yeah. like pioneers over like in the UK. But in the US, their games are, I'm not trying to be mean, they're very European games, uh, which means they're really floaty and not very fun. Uh, it looked like a hard pass to me. I think there were a couple, I think there was a Blues Brother game for NES and SNES. And I think there was a Nintendo 64 Blues Brother 2000 game. Uh, yeah, I think I I remember seeing that, but I did not see the original. Yeah, their side scrollers, funny enough. Um, all right, that, How, like, what do you do? Like, you like I I you know what we need to have when we start doing these live, either at a convention or when we start like streaming these, we yeah. need to do like a blockbuster movies converted to video games that people have played. Like, we would do Blues Brothers and Wayne's World because Wayne's yeah. World was also a video game, and that actually did get coverage in Nintendo Power, and I'm like. They paid you guys a lot of money for this because yeah. this looks like pure dog shit. <laughs> what do you know what happens in that game? In like Blues Brothers Wayne's or Wayne's World? No, in Wayne's World. Uh I think you're trying to get the guitar. Or wait a minute. I think that's like the first stage. I think aliens have abducted Garth or something. It's really Oh wow, they go there. They go there. They uh <laughs> they go there, man. Well, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to check those out. That's uh, that's some alcohol and a podcast waiting to happen. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I, I can read this little thing if give you like a quick synopsis of what the Blues Brothers is about. Absolutely, yep. It's it's straight ripped off of Wikipedia. I'm just gonna say it, but it does does a good job of explaining. So, yep. are you okay if I read that? Yeah. The Wikipedia okay. police aren't gonna come at us. So, all right, all right. Well, I, mean, I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. Wiki wiki. That you're getting hauled to jail. They just uh, softly whisper wiki wiki in your ear. That's how you know when they're coming. Yeah. Wiki wiki. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, The Blues Brothers, the story is a tale of redemption for paroled convict Jake and his brother, uh, his brother, his blood brother Elwood, who set out on a mission from God to save from foreclosure the Catholic orphanage in which they were raised. To do so, they must reunite their R&B band and organize a performance to earn $5,000 needed to pay the orphanage's property tax bill. Along the way, they are targeted by a homicidal mystery woman, Carrie Fisher, neo-Nazis, 
I hate Illinois Nazis. <laughs> and country western band, all while being relentlessly pursued by the police. And I, I think... It pretty much sums it up. It's yeah, it sums it up very well because I think you hit the key there that every person who lives in Illinois and owns a piece of property identifies with is extremely high property taxes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although 5000 isn't that bad. Good God. Wow. But no. inflation... Inflation, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. That it's makes probably sense. about it's, yeah. $50,000, $60,000. Yeah, good God. Great movie. Doesn't surprise me. Great I'm, movie. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out again. It's been too, it's yeah. been too long. It's, a, it's quotable. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, we're like 108 miles from Chicago. Yeah. We got a half tank of gas, a half pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> is that a steel book you have there of the Blues Brothers? Yes, it is. I love steel books. Yep, it's one of my own. I think it might be one of my only steel books. Yeah, to be honest with you. At one yeah. point, I almost got heavy into collecting those, and I was like, "No, I need to." It's cool. Yeah. I mean, people at home can't see it, but it has oh yeah them with their glasses, and they have their names on their knuckles, and on the back it just says they're on a mission from God. It's I love cool. it. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, to uh, grab the stick from you here, my number four is Akira, released in 1988 and directed by Kachiro Otomo. Kachiro Otomo, I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, you know, to throw things off and make things really weird, I thought I would actually throw animation into this because uh, this played a huge part in so many different things for me. But Akira is a anime and it is a full length anime that uh, even though it, it was released in 1988, like, you know, later uh, compared to some other anime movies out there, this was amazing and it had huge impact really across the world. Uh, what is this movie about? It's actually adopted from a manga. Um, Akira being like, uh, I want to say like a six, seven volume release of comics. Uh, and Akira, the movie is a pretty abridged version of those different volumes. They probably cut out, oh geez, about 45% of the story in the actual movie. Um, and funny enough, as you could probably imagine, most people prefer the original manga volumes. Uh, but myself, who grew up on the original Akira anime movie for years and didn't read those books until just last year, honestly. Um, I thought the story was so, so overblown and long that I was like, I just want to get back to uh, the original anime movie release because I think, yeah, yeah, there were a lot of open questions in it, but it covered it. So what is it about? Neo Tokyo is about to explode. Essentially, the Third World War has happened in Tokyo was blown to crap. Um, and this is years after, and you know, cities are back in order. Tokyo is gone, but Neo Tokyo is in its place. Uh, the Olympics are right around the corner. It's really crazy. There was this big catastrophe with a virus that killed a whole bunch of people. Um, if you read like 2020 and uh, Akira references with like our pandemic and everything that's yeah. happening, it's really creepy, like how much stuff happened in that movie. And it's like the same year. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's only set like what, like a year? Yeah. Like 2019, the movie's set in, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty it's crazy. crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. But uh, essentially, uh, how the movie starts out is with uh, kind of like the Lost Boys. That's really strange. It's it's, uh, it's a biker gang, and there's other biker gangs out there, and you have your, your main characters. You have Kaneda and Tetsuo that end up being kind of the main figurehead characters in this. And uh, essentially, what happens is while they're riding the highways, beating the crap out of rival gangs in the streets with metal pipes and running them over with motorcycles, they get into this huge accident when they run into this very strange looking little child on the highway. And little do they know that this child is like bioengineered and slightly alien to a degree. And uh, Tetsuo just having contact with him has essentially awakened in a sense and now has these powers and he basically goes berserk and starts like tearing the city to pieces again and there's a potential possibility that he could bring back akira which was the cause of world war three and why tokyo exploded in the first place so many great memories about this movie my dad rented it on vhs back in the day and said michael you got to check this out i was pretty little right i mean i was born in 1983 this came out in 1988 so i didn't have many years and i'm seeing anime boobies and people getting ripped <laughs> apart and everything and i was like oh my god this is amazing uh, great dub track with it. I didn't watch this in Japanese at first. Originally, I, I heard the English language dub for it. But great story, great soundtrack. Uh, actually inspired me for a lot of my music with some of the instruments and stuff I use. But just a great story and a great piece of anime history overall. It's been re-released so many times. You can see it anywhere. You can see the original release. It's on Blu-ray. They just released a 4K version of it, though I guess they botched the 4K release. I'm waiting for them to fix that so I can get a copy because I want to see Akira in 4K Ultra HD with all the fancy lighting and all the trimmings. Super excited about that. Uh, but just what a great movie. And there's so much stuff, so much stuff out there that has referenced Akira, um, not just from its story content, but some of its animations. I mean, if, if you watch any movie or any anime where someone is on a motorcycle and they drift the back tires and go to the side, basically... Um, and the camera kind of does this far out zoom shot with them that has been reproduced so many different times in so many different animes and movies that came from Akira. Akira made that shot and it's nice. been like homaged so many times. So yeah, just absolutely incredible movie. Yes. I unfortunately have not seen this, but it is going to the top of my list. You must watch. Yeah, I must watch because uh, I'm reading, just I'm going through the Wikipedia and it looks awesome. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It says, it says it's, it is widely regarded by critics as one of the greatest animated and science fiction films ever made, as well as a landmark in Japanese animation. Yep. Huge. Huge and, impact. Did it have like a cyberpunk? Does it have like a cyberpunk feel to it? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's not as cyberpunk as a um, cyberpunk, you know, 2098 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's got a little bit of cyberpunk feel to it. More post-apocalyptic cyberpunk mm. feel. Um, kind of like Shadowrun. Uh, that's okay. probably a bad example. Um, but yeah, not, not super, super cyber. Uh, let me put it this way. You've seen ghost in the shell. 
Mm-hmm. It's not as cyber. Uh, yeah, it's not as cyberpunk as Ghost in the Shell. It's, okay. it's got those feelings to it. It does got a little bit of cyberpunk to it, but it's more post-apocalyptic punk than cyberpunk, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm definitely going to have to watch that one because I liked everything you just said pretty much. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I checked all the boxes for me, Mike. Nice. So. Nice. Um, so I think we're on what, number three? Top three now? Number three. All right. Number three. Uh, and I chose this movie because I feel like I'd be a hypocrite because we've already done a top 80s action movies of all time. And I feel like if I didn't put my favorite action movie in my top five favorite 80s movies, I'd look like a dick. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> number three for me is Lethal Weapon. Uh, and uh, as a 1987 American buddy cop action film uh, stars – Mel Gibson and Danny Glover as uh, Riggs and Murtaugh. And uh, it's just a, I mean, it grossed $120 million off of a $15 million budget. Damn. It was nominated for uh, Oscars, actually. And you know, <laughs> it spawned so many, what, sequels and television series and things like that. Uh, I forgot that was a television series. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, how many, like, comedy, like, other comedies have referenced this? Like, this created in, like, an entire, like, genre of, like, movies, like, the buddy cop. Uh, And I believe, I don't know if it's Richard Donner or Shane Black, who's written, who wrote it, uh, recently did a movie, The Nice Guys. I don't know if you've seen that with uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. That's a great movie. It's written by the same guy who wrote Lethal Weapon. And I think it's that movie, The Nice Guys, is up there with this. I love The Nice Guys. It's such a good movie. I need to watch it. Uh, Yeah. It's a good one. Uh, so I don't want to go into too much detail because I'm pretty sure I went into it at length in the uh, the last episode. Uh, so I'll, I'll just make it quick. Um, it's, it's to me, like I said, it was my favorite action movie of the eighties and it beat out so many other good films on my list. Uh, and it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just a good movie. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, this is one that anytime I see it on, like you have to watch a little bit of it. Yeah. Even if you don't have the time to, you're like, Oh, I, I got to watch a couple minutes. There's so many, so many great scenes in this. And I, like you said, we, we talked about it on the episode, but again, like one of the most like iconic moments, there's, which there's many in this movie, um, is, uh, right when Mel Gibson's character in the beginning, like he's thinking about like just blowing his brains out. And like, and that scene was just so well acted. And mm-hmm. I remember watching it with my mom asked her like, why is he doing that? And, you know, and she kind of explained the situation. So, um, impactful movie for sure. In all levels, yeah. funny, emotional, has the action. You can't go wrong with it. The sequels, not bad. Um, no, you, yeah, you know, not, second no, one was good. Third one, I think kind of jumped the shark a little bit. And the fourth one, when Jet Li came in, it was kind of like, eh. did they do a fifth one? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. It stopped at four. Okay. Not yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll yeah. happen. <laughs> Getting too old for this shit. Now, now I'm really old. Yeah. Now I'm really, really, really old. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, my number three is another animated film. It's the last animated film I have in my top five. But this is Golgo 13, which was released in 1983. So the movie is, holy 
crap. 37 years old 37 now. Years um, old. What is Golgo 13 about? Well, it is, again, another adaption from the manga comics. Golgo 13, as far as we know, is a Japanese super spy. He is the Japanese James Bond, but the James Bond that he plays is more closer to the books of James Bond than he is the movies James Bond. Um, if you're not familiar with what that means, like in the James Bond books, James Bond's an asshole and he's like, he's a murderer. Like a lot of time when you read the books, you're like, you know, this, this, this guy's a really good dude. Yeah. Um, he, he's actually, you know, pretty gruesome and pretty cruel. Um, and, you know, they kind of back that off in the actual movies. Cause you know, he, he's a hero character. Well, you, that's not fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Golgo 13 is a similar thing. He is a paid assassin. Um, and his weapon of choice, I mean, he can basically kill you with anything, right? But, his specialty is sniping and his specialty weapon is and nikos now you're gonna know why like every time sean picks up the m16 that i get all excited because golgo 13 signature sniper rifle was a custom m16 that he used to put all his targets down so what is this particular movie about with Golgo 13. This is actually called the professional Golgo 13. Um, Golgo 13. Uh, it starts out immediately with uh, this guy uh, that is basically, he's either taking this really high role as a CEO, or maybe he's taking over as the president. I, I don't remember. That's a little sketchy at that part, but basically as he gets up the podium after, I think it's a CEO thing. Cause his father is stepping down and he's giving it to his son and his son gets up on the stage after his father has talked about him he waves the the sun waves to his wife and his kids and he waves to the crowd and as he does it a bullet goes straight through his head killing him instantly holy shit so the father is absolutely outraged by this and wants to know who did it and he figured out that it's Golgo 13 the man with the custom M16 and he hires Every single serial killer, murderer, assassin, anyone that could possibly kill Golgo 13, he comes after him with. And there are just these incredible scenes like with hand-to-hand combat, uh, driving, and just these absolutely phenomenal sniper scenes where Golgo 13 is pulling off these incredible shots that just do not seem possible. Um, and it, I, I won't spoil it for you cause you should check it out, but there's, yeah, a, yeah. I there, haven't seen it. So yeah. I'm definitely going to, yeah, there's, there's a, it. there's a huge twist at the end, uh, that makes it very, very much worth watching. Uh, there was also an anime series adapted from this, but this again was one I saw, I came out in 19, 1983, but my dad rented it late in the eighties because he was getting into anime in a sense. And again, he was like, son, you got to check this out. And the reason he said, you got to check this out is because he recognized the game uh, the name Golgo 13 actually came out as a video game on the NES in North America and that was the first uh time I recognized it and he recognized it so I played the game before I played the movie now the two storyline wise don't tie into each other it's a completely separate story from the game but even the game for an NES game was pretty risque lots of violence lots of killing sniping adventures and you know how you uh, filled your health 
Mm-hmm. He, he took a prostitute to a hotel or one of the female agents and she raised your health. That's how, that's why. <laughs> and I'd be like, dad, what are they doing? Because it would show like an Nothing, outside son. shot of a hotel room and it, it would look like she was like going down on him. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I was like, dad, what's going on? He's like, uh, he's, she's giving him a massage. She's doing stuff. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, too funny, but. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Golgo 13 is a badass. Uh, so anytime I hear the M16 being used in Warzone, I instantly think about it. Catchy theme song too. Uh, definitely check that out. There's a couple more movies that came out. Like I said, a series came out. Um, and there's also Golgo 13 Queen Bee, but I barely remember that one. Golgo 13, The Professional, is the one to check out. Nice. I'm going to have to check it out because, like I said, I haven't seen that. And I'm so happy that I predicted that last week, that a good majority of the movies you were going to say I was not going to see. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Which is awesome, though. It gives me so much more, like, obviously get away from all these blockbusters that I keep throwing in people's faces. I get to go dive into some other yep. genres some, of movies some, from the 80s. Some new territories. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. He's why you're the best <laughs> podcast partner of all time. <laughs> you too, man. <laughs> Let's I learned go make so out. much from you. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go ahead and do my top or my number two, uh, and this is a classic 1985 science fiction film directed by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, I'm definitely talking about Back to the Future, and. It was written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. Uh, stars Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover, Thomas Elf Wilson. Uh, and the story's obviously it's set in 1985. Uh, the story follows Marty McFly as he accidentally, he kind of does it on purpose, but he accidentally gets sent back in time to 1955 uh, because of a DeLorean built by his eccentric doctor, uh, Doc Brown, played by the ever-wonderful Christopher Lloyd. Um, and when Marty goes back in time, he accidentally, inadvertently um, messes up his parents' meeting. So his mother actually falls in love with him and he has to, at the end of the movie, make his dad so desirable that he, uh, he'll be born <laughs> because if his parents don't get together, he doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, it's such a great movie. Uh, it's inspired so many, so many subgenres and all these different theories about how the movie and time travel, it really <laughs> made people think like, Oh, is time travel actually possible? It wasn't that a line like most recently in the last Avengers movie, like with time travel where they were talking about yeah. it and they're like, are you saying back to the future's bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that was the last Avengers movie. Yep. 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 Um, but it, the cast is awesome. Obviously Michael J. Fox plays Marty. Uh, Christopher Lloyd plays doc. Leah Thompson plays his mom, Chris McGlover, the dad and, Thomas F. Wilson is one of the best bad guys or just bullies in a movie probably of all time as Biff Tannen. Biff. So um, it's such a good movie and it has a couple different sequels. It has actually Back to the Future Part 2 and Part 3, which were both uh, those movies were actually filmed at the same time. So they were released only like six months apart. And, were they? Uh, 
Yeah, they filmed both of those movies back to back. One and two. No, no, two and three. Oh, okay. I was like, holy no, crap. No, 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 no. Two uh, and three. Okay. Still, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the Future 2 and 3 were filmed at the same time, and they only released like six months like after. Wow. They had no idea. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the reason it's number two uh, is because this movie and the first movie, and I don't know if I'm just weird and I have friends, but we all have our friends that we quote things with, obviously. Like I, all my different friends, I have different things that I have similar interests. And we quote movies, TV shows, all that the goodness. And this one goes back to my friend Stefan. We used to watch this, these two movies, at least the first two, like religiously. Like every time we were together, like, oh, what do you want to watch? Let's watch Back to the Future, Back to the Future, Back to the Future. So much so, in fact, that we actually wrote the second movie out, like typed it out, like script wise, like <laughs> off of memory and changed all the references in the movie and made it like our own little movie about like uh, me and uh, Stefan were Doc and Marty and all the different our teachers were like Miss Colville. She'll never listen to this, but if she does, I'm sorry. You were Biff Tannen, <laughs> and like we had a whole different thing, dude. It was it was wild. Like That's this amazing. Movie, yeah. So like these, especially the first and the second one, I'm gonna put them like two A, two B because they're both fantastic. Um, obviously, the Back to the Future two, they go to the future, and I mean that and so close. They are you know obviously outside flying cars. I mean a lot of that technology. Yeah, it's possible. Um, they almost predicted the Cubs winning the World Series. They're off by one year because he goes back to 2015. And obviously, the Cubs won the World Series, and they were so close to winning it that year. Like that would have been like the greatest like futuristic call of all time. That would have been so amazing. Like, yeah. dude, you're right. Like, Back to the Future 1 and 2, amazing films. Um, as someone who only had cable TV for a very short amount of time uh, before it got canceled and disconnected, um, I grew up on on the air TV. And WGN was like, you know, before I started working at a rental store, um, WGN was like my movie hookups. And they knew when to play the blockbusters. And yeah, I'll never forget there were four movies that they would play on like almost like every other Saturday or Sunday basis. And me and my little brother would watch it back to the future, back to the future Two, And both bill and Ted's excellent adventure yeah. movies, excellent and bogus adventures. Like we love those movies and it all just fit like this nice little like weekend thing. So I have yeah. so many great memories so about those speaking movies. Speaking of bill and Ted, like yep. if I had to make a, like a six, I was going to put Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as number six. So good. So good. Do you yeah. like Bogus Adventure? I like Bogus Adventure. Yeah. I liked the third one. I, I haven't I seen the third one I thought it was awesome. Like, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Nice. I still got to check it out. But I know so many yeah. poo-poo uh, Bogus Adventure, and I loved it. I loved Death. Yeah, yeah. Death's probably one of the most iconic characters in that entire franchise. Yeah, especially when they're playing like Twister and stuff with each other. Yeah. Hilarious, dude. dude. Like in this one and the new one, it's outrageous. So you, you'll have to watch it. Excellent. I can't wait <clears throat> for that. Excellent. <laughs> um, but yeah, please see Back to the Future if you haven't. Uh, I wish I could show you what I got. Like I just bought this the other day, actually. It's how much I love this movie. It's like the Blu-ray Ultimate Trilogy, like 35th remastered everything's remastered like there's, like a, there's a booklet that is awesome all like the insane bonus features on this are are crazy so 
Uh, it's a really cool movie, and they did a really good job for this movie of like archiving how it was made. Oh wow! So like if you go through like this, I have the ultimate trilogy, like whatever. It's a new edition that just came out, but like the bonus features, they pretty much did a like making of for like each of these movies. It's just really good. It's really insightful. Uh, one little nugget of trivia for people is that um, Michael J. Fox wasn't the first person for Marty. It was actually, they actually filmed like 25% of the movie with a different guy named Eric Stoltz. Hmm. Um, but uh, shortly after principal photography, they decided he wasn't right. So they had, they recast him like as they were already making the movie. Wow. Imagine getting that uh, pink slip. Yeah. You go on YouTube and they actually have like side by side comparisons. Cause like they released like, and they've released other ones of these like, you know, ultimate trilogy things. And they have like side by side footage. It's like the films or the scenes being filmed with him. And then uh, Michael J. Fox. Is it super apparent that like the other guy just didn't yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. Like it makes you realize like, I don't want to say he wasn't going to be good, Yeah, but like, once you see, like, obviously how Michael J. Fox plays it, like, you're like, oh, yeah, they made the right choice. Like, there was no way that guy was going to give as good a performance as Michael J. Fox was going to. Very nice. That's cool. I had no yeah. idea. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Very awesome. So hit you guys with some knowledge. <laughs> All right. Well, my number two, like I said, we're off the anime movie train, and we are getting into the Italian horror genre and this movie is phenomena not phenomenon with john travolta because i mentioned that to nikos and he was like looked at me kind of weird like no not that movie uh but this movie actually was released in 1985 in italy and did eventually make its way over to the united states as creepers uh which i believe was two years after the movie uh, came out in Italy um, and they cut like 40 minutes of the movie, changed things up a little bit. It had a different soundtrack, all sorts of different things. Uh, But what is so magical to this movie for me for being a number two is this film is by Dario Argento. And this guy is a horror movie masterpiece maker. He's made a ton of different uh, horror movies, suspense movies. Uh, It's not gelato films. It's something else. (laughs) Um, But... uh, Incredible, incredible movies. And in this particular movie, uh, it is about a young girl that uh, her father is a director and she is, uh, you know, being educated uh, all across the world. And she is sent to a remote Swiss boarding school. Um, And it's during her stay at this school where she finds out that there is a serial killer that is basically murdering all of these young girls at the school, outside of the school, people are disappearing and... Uh, the the girl in this movie uh, is actually played by a very young Jennifer Connelly, uh, you know, mm-hmm. very very beautiful woman who uh, appeared in many other movies like The Rocketeer and several movies after that. 
but she finds out that uh, she actually... She's had, in Labyrinth, right? She's in Labyrinth. Yep, correct. Yep. So she actually finds out at this school as her life is becoming more and more endangered that she has the ability to see these murders as they are happening in her sleep. She also meets uh, a uh, scientist by the name, uh, I don't remember his name, but it's Donald Pleasance that actually plays it. And of course, he's well known for his role in the Halloween movies, uh, but you know, he kind of Pro- plays- Professor John McGregor. Yep, John McGregor, exactly. Um, he is uh, someone who actually studies bugs and different insects. And for whatever reason, these insects um, actually can be controlled by Jennifer Connelly's character. So she can, when she gets angry, she can like actually summon like a mob of flies and bees and everything else. Uh, and she actually does so at the school because she starts saying, you know, she, she knows who's killing these people and, uh, you know, they've, they've gone missing and no one believes her. So she kind of freaks out as she's being made fun of and just summons this whole like swarm of bugs to take over the school before she passes out. Uh, so it's shot really, really well. Uh, the music is incredible. It's by Goblin Sound. And um, the deaths are just so, so gruesome, um, even down to finally discovering who the serial killer is and why they are doing this is just incredibly amazing. Again, um, I got this on Blu-ray a couple of years ago to watch it on Halloween, and it's just shot so well in the Swiss countryside. Like, it just has this look to it. Ultra creepy ultra awesome and funny enough inspired the game clock tower all the way down to like the mansion as well as the look of the main character in that game pretty amazing nice this is another one i haven't seen i'm gonna have to watch it's definitely definitely worth watching again is there a version i should watch i would definitely watch phenomena don't watch creepers because creepers has the different soundtrack to it uh that uh is it's more of a metal soundtrack to it, like okay. uh, where Phenomena has more of the original soundtrack by Goblin, like this really spooky synthy soundtrack. Almost cool. Think Italian uh, John Carpenter. Oh, okay, that's that's up my alley. Yeah, I think you I'm would really get a kick out of this. Yep, absolutely. Nice. Here's Michael Mertes with another great, great <laughs> recommendation. <clears throat> Uh, so we're on our final one now, huh? It's a final countdown. <laughs> uh, and for me, um, I mean, if you know me, I mean, obviously no, no one listening to this outside of me and maybe our friends obviously knows me, but if you do know me, you know that this movie that I'm about to talk about is my number one favorite movie. And it has been since I was, probably five years old and the movie obviously is ghostbusters and i will go into it about ghostbusters 2 because i i'm gonna do the same thing i did with back to the future and kind of put them one a and one b um and if you haven't seen ghostbusters i'm gonna i'll explain it to you real quick with a quick little description um, so it's a 1984 American supernatural comedy filmed and directed by Ivan Reitman, written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. 
It stars Bill, uh, the ever amazing Bill Murray, my favorite actor of all time. Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis as Peter Vankman, Ray Stance, and Egon Spling, uh, Spangler, a cheer of eccentric parapsychologists, which is not a real job. I've looked and it doesn't really, there's no, you can't get like a master's degree in parapsychology. I tried. <laughs> okay. Uh, who start a ghost catching business in New York city. Uh, the movie also stars, uh, the amazing and wonderful and sexy Sigourney Weaver mm-hmm. and the sexy Rick Moranis too. Yeah, yeah. And we'll say sexy Annie Potts as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, William Atherton plays a, a, a role of, um, oh my God. Uh, I forget his name, Walter Peck. And Ernie Hudson obviously plays Winston Zedmore. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, it's hard to explain. Like, this movie has been ingrained into my brain, like I said, since <laughs> I was five years old. I used to have a Ghostbusters 2 uh, VHS. Sorry, my cat's destroying things. <laughs> <laughs> He's possessed. Call the Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you going to call? <laughs> Cat um, ass kickers. <laughs> he knocked on down my camera, little bastard. <laughs> um, but I used to have a VHS, and I it was I actually found it not too long ago. Uh, it's in uh, a trunk that I have, and it, it I. Why not buy a VCR to see if it still plays? Because I bet you in my lifetime, I watched that specific VHS probably like a thousand times. Not even exaggerating. Like I used to fall asleep to that movie. Still nowadays, when I don't feel good, I'll watch Ghostbusters. Nice. But that's like my movie that I go to when I'm not feeling good or I just need to pick me up or I'm not, you know, not depressed or anything, but like I'm sad or something. I'm going to watch Ghostbusters. And uh, a lot of movies have that kind of effect on me, but specifically this one is is number one. Uh, it's hilarious. It has great acting um, from some young up and coming stars at this time. Uh, like I said, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis wrote and directed uh, Vacation, uh, Stripe, so many other great movies. Dan Aykroyd makes another appearance. He was in my fourth favorite movie, Blues Brothers. He also makes here an appearance in uh, Ghostbusters as well. Um, Mike, I mean, this movie has transcended like multiple different generations. Oh, yeah. And, like I don't want to say like my, all these kind of movies have like that we've talked about today have been like movies that have either like transcended a genre or have inspired like other artists, other movie makers, TV makers, musicians, however you want to go about it. They've inspired and they're critically acclaimed and they're they've each of these movies almost has like their own little cultural phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. Around each of them. Absolutely. Um, so what's your uh, experience with the Ghostbusters? So my experience with the Ghostbusters actually starts with the animated series first. The, and there were two Ghostbusters. There were Ghostbusters and then there were the real Ghostbusters. Real Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I loved both. Um, I think I... I actually started with the fake Ghostbusters, even though it was the first Ghostbusters for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Because um, I, I think that was on WGN and, you know, kind of the same deal. But they had a monkey called Tracy that helped them catch ghosts. Really weird now that I think <laughs> about it. Um, but I ran into watching the animated Ghostbusters first and then found out, holy crap, there's a movie. 
Um, and it, it was so weird for me because, you know, I, I think th- obviously the movie came out first and they adapted yep. to the animated series. Uh, but the, the likeness, because they did such a great job with the animated series to match the movie down to the voices and uh, making the characters look like what they needed to look at. I was so blown away by the movie. Um, and obviously watched it a bunch of times, super quotable. It's one of my wife's favorite movies as well. Um, great, great effects, man. Uh, just incredible. Uh, and the second movie too. I love the second movie. Um, the soundtrack of, of course, for both ghostbusters is incredible though. Um, a lot of people give me grief for this. Um, one of my favorite songs from the ghostbuster soundtracks is on our own by Bobby Brown. Mm-hmm. And I love that music video. Like if there was a song I could like redo or cover, it would be that song. Uh, great beat. <laughs> uh, Please and, do that. I, I thank you. <laughs> great lyrics too, though. Like those lyrics, like I, they, they mean so much to me because it's basically like, Hey, no one else is doing, is going to do it. So you might as well do it by yourself so you can do it right. Like I've always kind of, yeah, uh, had that mentality. Right. So, you know, especially when you succeed at doing that, like I always, I always think about that song, uh, but I always think about the music video too, cause they played the crap out of it on MTV mm-hmm. and, um, it had footage from the ghostbusters movie on there, ghostbusters too. But, uh, yeah, absolutely agree with you on that. As far as those movies being like top notch, number one, did you ever play the, any of the games? Yeah, I played um, Ghostbusters 2. Okay. I believe. Okay. And I believe that was the one that one of the levels you had to, you were in the Ghostbusters car and you had to like, um, kind of weaving in and out of traffic and shoot the slime gun. Okay. Okay. I think. Now, was it for, I, th- I think it was for Nintendo as well, I but I know it was for Genesis, for, right? I think that's for, the one I played was for regular Nintendo, okay. Super Nintendo, or not, no, the NES. Okay. Okay. But So you never oh, played okay. the original Ghostbusters, huh? Uh, no, I don't think so. <sighs> or one of these days we're going to play that, dude. It's such a tremendous, disappointing piece of shit. I mean, all of the, I, I picked great movies, but their, their video games sucked asshole, everyone. So yeah. I'm very sorry. Yeah, it was, uh, hopefully Howard didn't also create that game and I just totally buried him on us. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Howard. But it, the game wasn't that good. I'm it sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, not such a good game, but I think the second one was better, but, uh, you know, I always love Ghostbusters too because, and I always throw this random trivia out to everyone. They used an NES advantage to control the Statue of Liberty. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And like, just to show you how like much of an impact this movie has had on my life, I tell like I'm not. It's not an embarrassing story, I guess. But uh, so last May for my birthday, uh, I was furloughed. Obviously, because of COVID, I was unemployed, sitting at home and not really feeling too good about what was going on. COVID is scary. Like, am I going to go back to work? Am I going to lose my job? A lot of uncertainty. And on my birthday, my wife or my now wife, not she wasn't my wife then, but now she is my wonderful wife, Courtney. (laughs) uh, She got me a cameo from Ernie Hudson. Yeah. And it caught me off guard so much. Like she played it initially and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. It's a video of Ernie Hudson. And he's like, Hey Nikos. And I'm like, 
what the hell is going on? And it was literally the first time I watched it. I kind of like, I feel like I blacked out a little bit. I had to like <laughs> watch it again because I was just like, was that for me? I'm like, I'm so confused. And I watched it again and I literally started like crying, like happy tears. And you can ask her, I will have, we'll bring her on here sometime and she can tell the story. Uh, like I was legitimately like crying, like happy tears, like into her, like hugging her and being like, thank you. Like I needed that so badly at that moment in time. And it was Ernie Hudson ghostbusters. Like it was like the perfect thing that she ever could have gotten me. Like that's how I knew I was marrying my best friend. It was like the the coolest thing, man. That yeah, dude. I remember when you put that up and when she put that up, and that was just in. That was before cameo was huge too. Like cameo yeah. was kind of still a small thing. Yeah, like, it dude. Wasn't... <laughs> that was yeah. That was an awesome present. I was jealous personally. Yeah, it was great. Um, and you bring up Ernie Hudson. Uh, he was at Midwest Gaming Classic two years ago. He actually did a oh, panel there. Um, nice. And he's, I like. I love that man. He's probably going to be like back at, in November. Just saying. Um, and Dan Lucen, who I won't say I'm like friends with, but I'm kind of a, an acquaintance with and talk to him from time to time. He said that Ernie Hudson is one of the most coolest down to earth, like celebrities like ever. Um, yeah. and like, I've heard great things. The guy is like not picky about things. Like he's really accommodating. And, um, Dan told us that. <laughs> Um, Ernie Hudson was like, you know, Hey, you know, you got my number, stay in touch. And Dan was like, don't tell me that because if you tell me to stay in touch, like I'm going to text you. Um, and Dan was like, you know, whatever, he's probably just being nice and he's probably not actually going to text me back. But he says that like he can text him and he has like 30, 40 minute conversations with him via like text message or like phone call. Yeah. He's just like this legit nice dude and like even down like i'm very jealous of this person from what i understand dude like he was booked for midwest gaming classic and um he called dan and said you know hey just let you know that um my normal flight to to get in there isn't gonna work and dan was like you know i understand you're busy and everything he's like oh no 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 he's like i'm not calling you to say i'm canceling i'm letting you know that i'm booking a red-eye flight tonight so I can be there, but I'm going to be there earlier. Um, you know, if, if someone could pick me up, that's great. Otherwise I'll figure it out, but I'm absolutely positively going to be at the show because I don't want to disappoint the people that are coming to the show. Um, so I'm going to do whatever I can. And Dan's like, you're so cool. (laughs) Yeah. You're the greatest human being of all time. So yeah, uh, just super awesome guy. Uh, incredible, incredible guy, incredible movie. Absolutely. So when is the Midwest gaming classic? November. Let me see. November, November, November. Okay. I'm coming. November to remember. Yeah. Are there specific dates or no? There's specific dates, yeah. It's a Saturday and Sunday thing. I'll grab the okay. dates for you. But okay. You got to cool. come. You That's awesome. Come. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. If I can meet Ernie Hudson and... Are you, I mean, you're a big deal now, so I mean, uh, I can watch you do your thing. <laughs> I, I'll just be like, I'm here with Mike. I, I, I get to operate the booth. Yeah, exactly. The, the old school gamer booth. <laughs> are you hungry, Mike? I'll go get you a sandwich. What do you want, man? <laughs> Sandwich boy, where are you? Sandwich boy. (laughs) I'm just going to like put you over as the enforcer, though. I'd be like, this guy has to come with me. Yeah, I'm just going to stand there in like a suit, like Wardlow. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's I amazing. Nice jacked as Wardlow, but I mean, I don't, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Well, you can be intimidating. It works. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, my number one, I think we actually talked about it on a previous episode, so I won't go yep. too, too into details, but my number one, Harrison Ford. I think this Ford, was your classic, your, uh, your action one too, wasn't it? Or I no? think it was my action one. Yeah, I, 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 this movie comes up a lot just because yeah. it inspired the crap out of me. Uh, but number one, Blade Runner, released in 1982, starring Harrison Ford, direct, directed by Ridley Scott. This movie is cyberpunk. Oh, yeah. This movie is about hunting androids, finding out why these androids, these illegal androids are on the planet, and they basically need to be assassinated because they are rogue. And it comes down to this corporation being behind it and Harrison Ford being the Blade Runner, the person that needs to basically put these androids down as a sort of android bounty hunter. From the story amazing film but from a technical aspect this was one of the last movies they filmed in 1982 using practical effects models and just film yeah. trickery no digital no digital and i am happy to say i'm sure they've done some sort of digital enhancements on the the hd remasters and the 4k but you can see the practical effects are still there it's still just absolutely amazing you want to talk synthwave you can need to talk blade runner yeah yeah i was just gonna say like if you're gonna bring up that entire genre of <laughs> yeah you pretty much gotta say okay blade runner uh i mean i actually i like love this movie so much i actually bought I haven't read it yet. I bought it like last month. Um, it's the novel that it's loosely based on. Do androids dream, dream of, of electric, electric sheep? sheep? Yep. And I'm, I'm very excited to read it. I love Synthwave. I love everything that Blade Runner did for just, I don't know. It's just, it's a historically significant pretty much. Absolutely. Like it's, 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 it really is. It absolutely. is. the Philip K. Dick, yeah. right? Yeah, Philip yep. K. Dick. Yeah. Yep. yep. Also did a scanner darkly and a whole bunch of other great yep. stuff. But yeah, uh, unbelievable film. There is a whole bunch of cuts out for this. I've seen so many different cuts. It's unbelievable. What's uh, your favorite? Uh, I actually really do like the final cut. The, the final cut is my favorite. The final cut? The final cut. Yep. Nice. What about you? Yep. I'll agree. The final cut. Yep. Yep. That was, I remember actually not not gonna be like a couple of years ago asking you like okay I'm gonna rewatch the Blade Runners which one should I watch and you told me the final cut and it was amazing yep yep yeah yep. Gr great job great job great movie and uh, man some awesome movies to to top off our top five on uh, each side man great list well yeah the lists are kind of cool because they kind of have a similar theme like I want like. I keep saying these words, but they're all like each of these movies was culturally, culturally significant yep. in some way, shape or form. Yep. Absolutely. And it's probably a big reason why we love the movies so much. Yep. And we watch so, them over, over and, and over, over. <laughs> and over again. So and now yeah. we got to decide what we're going to do for our next episode. And if it's going to be movie based or music based or game based, I don't know. We, we got to figure that out. Maybe something completely different, but yeah, uh, I love these top fives, man. These are always fun. So, uh, let us know what some of your top five favorite movies. If you agree with our list, if you disagree with our list, uh, we'd we'd love to feel hear. free to trash me on Instagram. It's okay. Absolutely, I won't take it. To Absolutely. Heart. <laughs> 
I'll just cry myself to sleep. But then you'll watch Ghostbusters and it'll be okay. And then I'll watch Ghostbusters and I'll be okay. <laughs> Perfect, man. Well, as always, it is always great doing these episodes with you. Another yeah, great man. episode. And folks, until next time, we will see you with another episode of the Synthetic Logic Podcast. I'm Mike Murtis. I'm Nikos Cosmopolis. Have a great evening.